Matt, it's so great to see you. I'm so glad that you uh, joined us today. Um, this is the State in the Room podcast where we you know, have direct, frank conversation with business leaders uh, from all walks of life. Um, and we have the difficult discussions about the things that you know, are on your mind that you're thinking about, but you might not get the best opportunity to inquire about or ask. Um, and so I'm so happy today to be joined by Matt. Um, Blomstead, who is a, a great venture capitalist, um, you know, operating out of the Midwest. And Matt, um, I'd love for you to tell a little bit of my, my audience a little bit about yourself, what brought you to the world of venture, and, um, and, uh, and about your firm. Absolutely. And, and thank you for the kind introduction, Luke. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here and, and talk through some of these things. And um, I, you know, introducing myself, my name is Matt Blumstead, uh, ma managing partner at Springtime Ventures. Uh, we are, well, the Springtime was born in Boulder, Colorado back in 2016 with Rick Patch and I. Um, and, and your question about my, my path into venture is a good one because it's very uh, unique and different and truly happened chance. I was actually you know, from Houston, Texas originally. Went to college, uh, started working in the oil and gas business in Houston, spent some time in Oklahoma City, and um, did that for about 10 years. And back in 2014, 2015, I decided to take some time off uh, from the private equity-backed company I was working with at the time. And um, the, the point of the taking the time off was really to, to, to travel a little bit and just take a breather. At the time, I had no intentions of, of actually leaving the energy business. Um, I, it was my dog, Ladybird and I, we got in the Jeep and we, we literally just kind of bounced around the West coast. A lot of, a lot of time in Colorado, Utah, um, Washington, Oregon, California, and mostly mountain, mountain towns got back in shape, definitely the best shape of my life. And, um, a little town called Bend, Oregon is actually what triggered my move out of Texas. I didn't end up moving there. I always say I made it halfway to Bend, but I ended up in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and at this point, we're into early 2016 and I, you know, the money I'd saved for my time in the energy business was dwindling. And I was like, well, man, I, I good thing I'm near Denver, probably going to have to get a job here, here pretty soon. I'm going to run out of money. And the coolest thing happened though. And it was literally a couple of chance meetings in, in small restaurants in Boulder, Colorado with a couple of founders just sitting next to them. And um, those two individuals ended up introducing me to so many people, mostly founders, but also some of the other VCs and uh, folks at Techstars and the like. And what happened is I basically got immersed in the tech startup scene out there. And at the time, it's very different today in, in Colorado. Uh, but at the time, there wasn't really much of the way in, in focused seed capital in the state. You had Foundry Group. They do mostly later stage stuff. Access Venture Partners is there. They do mostly Series A and on. Um, and, and so as I was talking to all these folks in the ecosystem there and learning and, and um, just kind of becoming addicted to it because all the passion that you know, is flowing from these founders about what they're building, um, you know, I started to have this kind of idea in my head. And, and that idea was connecting private equity investors, bankers, lawyers that I had known and, and done deals with during my time in the energy business to early stage tech investing via a small fund, which you know, would become springtime. Um, I, I wasn't too, too naive. I was naive in some ways, but I, I wasn't too naive. I definitely knew I needed partners with a track record, somebody that had, had built something like this before. And 
that's where, you know, Rick Patch, Rich Malloy, I mean, I, I, obviously we wouldn't be here without them. I, I somehow convinced back in 2016, you know, Rick to come out of retirement, met Rich. He started working with us. And, you know, that's where springtime was born. There was a lot of a lot of hard work, um, you know, to get that money raised. Took longer than I wanted it to or expected it to on that first fund back in 2016, 2017. But uh, we did it. And, you know, fast forward, we're, we're here today on our uh, second fund. So um things things uh well it wasn't easy early on you know building a venture fund is much like a startup um in some ways um i uh yeah it's it's uh looking back it's a blessing i always love talking about this great matt thanks for for that background um you know you know i know the folks out there really well you know having gone through tech stars spent time in boulder as well uh you know all the folks over at foundry um and tech stars access ventures actually um rejected us when we were coming out of Boulder, um, we had been in front of them three or four times. And there was another company in our cohort that, that had a similar, not a similar product, but a similar approach. Um, and they put a bunch of money behind them. Um, you know, and, and ultimately that company raised, went on to raise about $12 million total and within two years, complete failure. Um, yeah. I want to say they lost almost every single dollar. Why, why do you think investors miss it? Why do you think they miss those opportunities to invest in great founders when um, you know, when they're met with, you know, sort of these, these moments, um, you know, when, when a founder is in front of them that might not come from the same sort of, you know, sort of dimension background, you know, geography that they're accustomed to. Yeah. I, I have a few thoughts on this and, and each firm is different. Uh, I would, I would start just by saying that, that adventure is hard, you know, startups are hard. And, and I'm very humble about this. You know, I always actually always say the more I learn, the more time I spend in venture, I feel like the less I know. And I feel very humble about this. So when I, I have this, I have this, um, this thing where I meet a founder, I don't rely on a pitch deck. I always take the call of the founders because I don't want to miss what you just described. I don't want to miss something. You can't, you just can't grasp that, you know, unless you talk to somebody and hear their story and, and try to understand what they're building. Um, even if it's something that's different or for a different audience than than you're than you're used to, I think that you know firms today, at least this is my hope, and we have a long ways to go. I mean, even at springtime, right? Um, that you know the the more and more fund managers are doing everything you know they can in order to to open their eyes and not miss those opportunities. You know, if it's a if it's a black founder from 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 the projects, right? You know, on the East Coast, it's it's uh, um, it's it's something that today. Whether what, what year were you in TechStars? By the way, was that like 2012 or 14? When were you there? Four, uh, 2004, summer 14. And, That's right. And, and fall, summer fall. 14. Yeah, it's funny. I was trying to time it because I'm thinking, you know, even since springtime started, um, some of the differences I've seen in how funds operate and the the attention they're 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 um, they're putting on, on these things. You know, I think, unfortunately though, Luke, you know, um, and I'm not saying this about any specific firm. It's just, some people are set in their ways and, um, you know, I don't, I don't have a great answer for that question. You know, you got, you just, my recommendation is, and the approach we always take is you've got to talk to the founder, try to get to know them and understand, you know, if it's something foreign to you, like dig in, 
You know, that's 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 what we're that's what we're here to do. That's our job. We have a fiduciary duty to do that for our investors, right? So absolutely, um, those are things I feel strong strongly about. Yeah. So so on that on that note, right? And so what, I think what you're talking about, and it's a good thing, right, for venture to increase the the top, you know, end of the funnel. Right. When I was yeah. um, building building fix, I ran you know our enterprise sales and um, you know product, a lot of things um, in, in in the early days. And, you know, when we were, you know, sort of closing customers, I think our first year um, of revenue, 2015-16, uh, you know, we got to like maybe half a million dollars in revenue really quickly. And that was across maybe 20 or 30 customers, what we called our lighthouse customers. And we were telling investors we're going to grow really fast. And we, and we ultimately did. We grew 300% year over year. But, you know, in order to achieve that, you know, what I was learning at the time I was running sales is that a lot of that was a function of how quickly I increased the top of the funnel. And in venture, right, I, I think people are talking about like increasing the number of things that they're looking at so then they invest in more underrepresented founders. And specifically, this show is talking about black founders. I'm black is what I know. And, and you know, obviously, they're, they're experiencing the, the, the worst of, of venture today. But, you know, increasing the size of the funnel does not necessarily mean that you're going to all of a sudden have a lot more shots on goal with, with black founders, right? And so how are you doing that today? And what, what do the numbers say, right? My, my listeners are going to, you know, that's certainly a, a, an idea or thought running around their head today. It's like, okay, well, Matt's increasing the size of the funnel, talking to more people. Certainly, he must have more black founders that he's invested in seen or something else and if not like what is how are you thinking about solving that problem yeah and do you even see it as a problem yeah no i do see it as a problem um and i and i'll i'm gonna say that um we've got to we've got to do better and and there's i'm gonna talk about some of the things we are doing um because and i think that i think if you spoke to rihanna who who is the, the first black founder we invested in she's actually here in austin now for journey foods um I think that she would tell you that the the way we we interacted with her, made our investment decisions with her, um, and and made her feel just you know welcome, right? Like we really dig in and dug in with her, um, and and that was that was actually the first time after we after we made that investment, I said, hey, Rihanna, can you get me in front of you know help us get in front of you know other black founders, people and women too. Um, uh, that, that was also part of the conversation and she did, she's been, she's been super helpful. Um, and then, you know, going forward. So one of the things I actually, this has been on my mind for a long time. Um, and, and when you're a first time fund under 10 million, you don't have a lot of resources. Like I was blessed that, you know, I have had a couple of partners that didn't need to, to have a salary pay themselves. And of course they all have carry, it was basically just me full time with fund one. But as we went on to fund two and have more resources to really attack these things and, and do things differently and, and um, make like, conscious decisions around how we make improvements. Um, a big part of the first thing I thought of is uh, was actually or a big part of it was geography. Um, and I'm just going to tell it like it is. I mean, you've mm-hmm. been to Boulder. You've been to, you've been to Colorado. <laughs> and the, it is the, one of the, the blackest diverse- states in the world. Yeah, it's white people. You know, it's mostly white people, right? And um, and so, in, you know, coming from Houston, Texas, like one of in playing, you know, college basketball growing up, uh, you know, Houston is one of the most diverse, you know, cities, uh, cities in the country. It, it, it's just it's very different. And so, 
we actually brought on an amazing woman investor in Atlanta, Georgia, Allison Fosco. She's, she's fantastic. Um, and we actually hosted an event in Atlanta last week. And, and I wish Rich and Allison were here to, to, to tell you what I said when I looked out in that crowd. And this is a small thing like this. And just because we hosted co-hosted an event, and we had black founders. So that doesn't you know, that doesn't mean anything. But it is it was it is one small step. And one thing we are doing is we're spending more time in cities where there there are more black founders. Right. Like we're we are doing that um, and, and actively, you know, we have an outbound effort. Um, Rich Malloy does a lot of reaching out through Lolita. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of traveling and doing, and doing it myself. So we can be better. We have some work to do. Uh, but, but it is, like I said, Luke, you have my word, like these, these stats should, should continue to improve for us over time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's great, Matt. That's great that you see it that way and you understand, you know, sort of the, the, you know, the, the key benefits in investing in this segment. I mean, our, our data set suggests that black founders, you know, they, while they get less money in the earlier rounds, they raise just as much money at, at Series yeah. A and later, and then they have bigger out, and they have bigger outcomes, right? So, yeah. so like yeah. investing in, in black founders just makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and by the way, like, so that's the other thing is is other fund relationships like Harlem Capital, others. You know, I, I've I've made made it a point to to try and build and cultivate those relationships in a real way, right? So, um. I 100% agree. And I will say in our within our portfolio, um, overall, the best performing companies that we have are led by it. Well, it's a, it's a mix of underrepresented minorities, immigrants and women. It's not white men. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. So um, it is it is definitely the, I think the stats, the stats are real. Yeah, no, I, I, I thank you for, for sharing those stats. And, you know, I mean, you know, the broader stats. I mean, 85% of $300 billion of global VC yep. is going to one, one group, white males. And, you know, regardless of, of you know, sort of the, the, the you know, the, how you see that, whether it's a privilege or even an advantage, and I'll return to why, why that's significant. Um, I, I think, you know, what we have grown to recognize is that talent and good ideas, you know, that we need, you know, for survival, you know, need to come from everywhere. I mean, you think about like, you know, a, a woman, you know, we have one here named Ariane who, who's focused on um, feminine care and she's yep. solving that problem, you know, for, for black women. You know, she's gone on to raise a couple, you know, some, some, some money, her first money and, um, and just graduated from Techstars. Uh, she's a black woman and she's solving this for other black women. If she can't get to the market with her idea because investors won't back it or, you know, or some other, you know, sort of superficial reason. Um, you know, that, that impairs, you know, this, this product coming to market that will support, you know, black women in a way that like a white person could not, you know, think of or, or, or execute. And so it's imperative that these ideas get through. There's no question about it. You know, do you, you, you played basketball in college. I want to pick up on that. You said something about playing basketball in college. I played yeah. basketball in college too. I don't know if you know, you knew that. I don't think so. Um, yeah, no. and you know, I was a, I was a point guard. Yeah, what position did you play? Uh, well, either wing, uh, shooting guard or small forward. Really, it just all that meant was where where I was at in the lineup, and I was either guarding someone a little shorter and quicker than me, or somebody a little bit yeah. taller and stronger than me. <laughs> but I was a yeah. I was a wing. Yeah. I was a wing. Yeah. So 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 was I. I played. I played. You know, as small as I am, I'm only six feet, but I played the two three. 
Um, and the three only sometimes when I had a guy who's six four, six five, yeah. so I could you know I could like a guard up yeah. that that house. But so but what I'm what I what I'm picking up on is that maybe your perspective as it relates to you know diverse investing and team building, yeah. right? Because really what you're talking about in terms of like building your own internal teams as well as you know supporting these teams that are getting built external to you. Um, you know, is is really about about that, right? Because like the best yep. team that comes together, you know, has a lot of features that make it unique, and they bring different things to the table. At nowhere do you see that happening better than in basketball, right? Especially yep. if you've been a college basketball player. Like you know, I played with guys from Australia on the team. They were from you know New Mexico, from from you know lots of other countries all over the U.S., etc. And we won. We got to the NCAA's every year because we had this really diverse team. How much of like your experiences like playing basketball? Because I'd imagine that you play with a lot of different kinds of people have informed, you know, your your approach to investing, your approach to life generally. Yeah, it's a good question. So so I played I played at two places. I played at Blinn J Junior College and in Texas Arlington. And um it, it, Blinn, I, I like, I'm gonna use Blinn as the example because I was the only white guy on that squad. And we had guys from you know, lower ninth ward, New Orleans, Washington Heights. Um, and then also like wealthy European, European guys and, um, and guys from Africa. I mean, it was really a, kind of a crazy makeup. And, and, and I will say, I will say because of the, the, these personalities early on, like in the beginning of the season, especially Juco, right. You're kind of just like thrown together all, you know, off the bat because you're not there for four years. And um, we had some interesting times, but I'll tell you, we all came together. We won, and and it was it was because as long as as long as you have people that buy in, work hard, do the right thing, and are 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 there for the common good. And I think there's there's a lot of a lot to be said about that. It's probably a separate conversation about people that you know, college athletes, pro athletes that you know go into business. But yeah, I mean, it's. It's one of those things that I, I, I'll, 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 I try to never forget those experiences as, as, as we, you know, at springtime build out, continue to build our, out our team. Um, because I think it's important, the different perspectives at the end of the day that, 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 you know, came up and um, even when differences, you know, even when differences came up between us, we always work through them. And so being, I think being able to, to, to navigate those things with people that, you know, you didn't grow up like, you know, look like are really important. Um, I wish I could say, I, I'm, I should put some thought into this because I think I could say this more succinctly, succinctly and I'm like just kind of rambling now, but I, I, I love that question. I'm going to think hard on that tonight. Yeah, no, I, I think there's something, something to it, right? And so when I think about the deeper, you know, thing there, and I think I want VCs, Yep. Um, other VCs like you and other founders and, and folks in the ecosystems, um, you know, around venture to, to, to get is that I think your experiences as, as, you know, sort of an outsider, right? And because like in most situations, let's face it, like white people are the majority, you know, yep. that won't be true in a couple of years in this country. Yep. But when you, when you're talking about these rooms where venture happens, where decisions get made about, you know, investment committee meetings and Harlem Capital, by the way, was an investor fix. Um, they were great on, on Ray, um, and his partners, you know, we yeah. had a great relationship and a great run at it. Um, and, and there's a lot of reason why those organizations need to exist, um, which is why I'm building Latimer. But yeah, you know, when I, when I think about like your experiences as a basketball player, I think also about the fact that you were one of like the few white kids on the team 
right? North American-based white kids on the team. And like that, that must have had some level of uh, impact on you as well in terms of like your ability to relate to, you know, these black founders that, you know, in any given room, I mean, you're usually the only one, right? So yeah, I, yeah, I wonder how much of that played into it. Oh yeah. Like I don't, I don't, to me, I don't think anything. And I, and here's, a, so, so here's what I have to catch myself, Luke, is that it's easy. It would be easy for me to not think anything of it. It, it meaning that like, it's natural to me because I, I was the only white guy on a college basketball team, but is a venture investor looking at the statistics and, and knowing these problems that exist that we're talking about, I absolutely need to be aware of this and um, in order to, to, to make a difference, I think, right? Like it's, it's, it's not like playing basketball where, well, in, in, in this way, it's not like playing basketball where, you know, the black people, black guys were the majority on that team. In this case, they, they need help. Right. And I need to be conscious of that whenever I'm interacting with black founders and other, you know, underrepresented um, founders as well, and, and kind of go above and beyond um, with how we help. Like even, and what I try to do is like, you know, we look at a lot of deals and sometimes it's not a fit. It could not be a thematic fit. It could be whatever, but like, I always try to spend a little extra time with them, make, make that extra introduction, do those things. So does that make any sense? Cause like I, what I was does. trying to get at is like, it would be easy for me to just be like, Oh yeah, cool. Like, but the problem exists and, and, and it has to be addressed. And you can't, I couldn't, I can't take the mindset that, Oh, it's like, you know, this is like, you know, playing basketball. Cause it's not in this case, it's the reverse. Mm. It's like all white yeah. guys, right. And venture it's changing, but so Anyway, no, I hope that makes sense in some way. It, it does. Not only does it make sense, Matt, but it, it's consistent with uh, another comment that I heard, you know, recently. One of my, my best investors, you know, and fixed and, you know, um, just, you know, has been a great advisor, mentor to me has been Charles Hudson from Precursor Ventures. Oh, yeah. So you have a, yep, yep. Yeah. I don't know if you've had a chance to meet him, but he's incredible. Yep. And, um, and so one of the things he, he, he and I have talked a great deal about is like the context. And oftentimes, you know, as a, as a black founder, you walk into a room and there's this missing context that people just don't get when they, and, and it's the key to understanding you and maybe even understanding the business. But a lot of times investors are unwilling because there's just, and I get it, like investing is hard, um, especially at the seed stages when you really are, are looking for, you know, efficient ways to, to marshal through 50 things that you've seen in a day. And, and so you don't have time always to invest in the, in the context, but I think especially for black founders to make sure that you don't miss a thing. Yep. It's required. And it's a thing that Charles and I have talked about a great deal. Um, I love it. No, I love it. And yeah. You know, it's funny, Charles, I obviously have a whole lot of respect for him. He was one of the first introductions that, uh, Hey, did you ever meet Denise and Jim Franklin in Boulder? By any chance? Of course. I mean, Jim, Jim Franklin is, is is like a you know he's a fixture. He, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that was the first. Yeah. I think that was the very first fun you know emerging manager introduction they ever made for me was Charles. And I and I I I, I wish uh, um I res, you know respect this time. I actually should should try to reach out and catch up with him. I wonder if he would even remember that. This is like again like six years ago. It's crazy. But yeah, no. Um, I I just thought about Jim and, and Denise and was was wondering if you bumped into him out there. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know him well, and um, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, the and Jim Franklin, I mean, uh, just to, for my listeners who are out there, 
folks like Jim Franklin and Denise, I mean, Jim, Jim is a white, the whitest of the white dudes, right? Yeah. <laughs> white hair, you know, just, you know, the older white man is exactly what you think of when you think of venture. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good person and he thinks, you know, he thinks deeply about these issues, right? And, and it, it's a big deal, especially in Boulder to get someone like Jim on your, on your cap table as an advisor and investor yep. and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But like, I, I think where, you know, the world needs to go is like, we got to make that true for people like Charles, people like, me just you know just getting a really smart capable you know and black investor black founder on your on your team you know has to mean something you know more than just the status symbols that you know some of these other you know sort of name brand people name brand firms have meant because like that also works against black people right when you think about the signaling effects like it if you get jim on your cap table but i can't get him on my cap table i must not be a good company right and i think that happens a lot and so I think, you know, figuring out ways to, to, to signal that differently, um, you know, yep. is, what, is, is, is what we're you know, hopefully doing. This week's Magic Moment is brought to you by Meter Feeder, another great investment by Latimer Ventures. Think about the future of cars. They're already driving themselves. And pretty soon you'll be able to pay for parking without even needing an app. So whether you are a large scale fleet manager with thousands of vehicles under your care or a busy sales professional rushing to be on time for a meeting. You can now easily pay for parking with no user IDs or passwords required for all your team. Go over to meterfeeder.com to learn more. And if you want to get in touch with the founder, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I want to pivot to sure. talk a little bit about like the business of venture itself. Because I think, you know, one area that you touched upon, which I think is great, you know, you, you unlike a lot of people, I think you acknowledge the, the imbalance that exists within venture. But I think it, 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 it exists two ways. Like the, the other way that it exists is that for emerging fund managers that want to do more investing, diverse investing, because maybe they're black and they have a good sense of like other good black founders to invest in, which makes sense, right? They should um, be enabled to do that. Um, you know, it's quite difficult, A, to stake their own GP, come up with the money, oh, yeah. to raising a $20, $20 million fund. You know, where are they going to find the, you know, the the, the 1% of assets to, to commit, you know? And then, like, I don't know how long, it, I would love for you to talk about how long it took for you to raise your fund, because I think there are some structural advantages, you know, of being white, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're, if you're starting a fund. And I, and I call them advantages, because I think, Privilege, you know, denotes something else. Advantage denotes that, you know, it, it's a it's a quality that you know has been refined um, intentionally over time. And I think that you know, eighty five percent of the money going that that way, you know, certainly would 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 denote that. But I would love to hear your 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 thoughts on all of those things. Yeah, I love. The, I actually love these questions. Um, this is exciting. So, so on the first thing about the 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 GP commitment, it's funny. I always accepted that until until more recently. I think it was Matt Conwell. It was a post on Twitter that really got me thinking like, and this is privilege, right? Look, like I, I guess I came from a world of private equity where it's just, there's a GP commit. I just accepted it as fact without kind of recognizing how that could be discriminatory. Right. And, and so once I started thinking about it, though, I was like, after after Max post, it makes complete sense to me. I'm like, okay, 
obviously I was, I was privileged. Like I was able to, I, I'm able to, to make that GP commitment. Um, but what about the other amazing people, like much more unique and amazing than I am like Mac, you know, I mean, what Mac has done um, and, and, and he's not the only one, there's some other, other ones out there. I'm just using him because I know it was his, his post that, that touched on this. Um, it really opened my eyes. So, so I absolutely think that, um, now after, after kind of seeing that perspective, you know, there's no way that it's, it's, it's okay or right that somebody might be prohibited from, from, you know, changing the world in their own small way with a venture fund, um, is prevented from doing that because they, they can't come up with, you know, a percentage of, you know, the total fund size. Uh, some people might disagree with that. You know, I, I, I think I do see, I do see the argument for having skin in the game, but I mean, listen, if you don't have that cash already, like you're putting it all on the line, buddy. Like that is skin in the game, right? <laughs> like if this doesn't work, you gotta go, you gotta go find a job or something. So I, um, I, I don't, I don't, I do like skin in the game, but listen, that, that commitment thing, um, I think it needs to, 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 to go away. So, yeah, um, no, I, I agree with that. And now, now if somebody has the capability, you know, it, 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 again, let's go to a different extreme. If someone's worth a hundred million dollars and they're, they're starting a fund and they're not putting anything in, I, that would make me, I, I don't know about that, but, um, and then, and then the second, your second question about how long it took to raise, um, this is, this is, uh, this is where I was a little bit naive. I got to give my, my, my partner, Rick Patch props because he told me from day one, it would take more time and cost more than I wanted it to or expected it to. He was completely right. I remember we spent all fall in uh, 2016. I actually spent a lot of time with Jim and Denise Franklin. Um, they 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 helped us and many others in the in the Boulder startup community, just trying to figure out who we wanted to be as a fund. Like who, you know how much are we raising? Who do we want to invest in? Things like that. And then so we waited to get through the holidays, and then right after the turn of the year in in January 2017, I hit the road. You know, all over Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado. Um, majority of our LP base is in Texas, some in Oklahoma, some in Colorado. It's actually, we have more now, but back then it, it was heavily Texas. So I thought b- being naive, you know, we were targeting, I think originally like $15 million. I was like, Oh, we'll get a first close done in by Memorial day. I think that was our goal. And I, and I certainly believed we could achieve that Memorial day comes. No, man, not even close. Um, so now I'm like, okay, labor day. Summer goes by, Labor Day comes, not even close. We kind of reset at that point and, and kind of cut it in half. We said, we're going to raise an $8 million fund. So we spend the rest of that year going into December of 2016 raising, and you know, uh, excuse me, December of 2017. So we'd spent basically that whole year raising, and we ended up only closing on $1.9 million of our target. And it was December 21st, 2017. I'll never forget that day. We actually had um, a sit down that next January after Christmas as a team. And we were like, do we even do this? You know, because it was, we, we, we fully believed that we needed to forex the fund in order for it to be feasible, really like to live, to, to, to really run the fund and do, do what we wanted to do. And, um, we made the tough decision. I'm glad we did. We we decided to move forward and we spent, you know, we started investing. 
um, that year. And we, we continued, you know, we had 12 months to, to, to raise the rest of the fund. And, you know, that last close in December of 20, uh, 2018, we doubled the fund size. We, we, we hit our target, but it was, it was really hard. I mean, I, I I'll joke with his guys. I had access. That, that's why I brought to the table is I had access to capital with, with our, our, our LPs just, you know, from my time in the oil and oil and gas business. And that's where, uh, I was privileged. Like it was not, it is not hard for me to pick up the phone and, and get pretty wealthy people on the line. So that's where my privilege comes in there. <laughs> I will be the first to admit that, but it still took time. It wasn't easy by any means, but yeah, I mean, even to this day, a lot of them it's relationship driven. They wouldn't, we're the only venture investment. Um, many of them had, I've introduced them to others though. And, and that's changing. They're, they're, they're more progressive. They just aren't used to it. So I'm very new to them. So. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly appreciate some of those, those uh, networks as well. And I, and I see it, you know, a little bit differently, Matt. I, I, I hear them as, you know, privileges. I hear people say that's a privilege, a privilege. But I look at it as an advantage. A network is an advantage sure. because of like how you were born and who you were born into. Yeah. Like you didn't, you didn't, you didn't create racism and, and prejudice. Like that, that's not your fault. Right. Like you're, you have a network because you worked hard yeah. and you deserve those things. That right? is true. Some of, some of those things, right? What I'm, I think what, what black, I think what black people are saying at this point in time is that, you know, remove the barriers that prevent us from building our own network. Cause I, cause trust me, when I have a billion dollars in the bank, I hope I get a call from, you know, someone who wants to start a $20 million fund in some neck of the woods that, you know, has never done venture and there's no access to capital. And I happen to know that person and, you know, they tap their network that way. I hope that can happen. Um, that's an advantage to have those networks. And we, we hope to create more of that. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, 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 there's no, there's no, you know, sort of, um, malice and and like you having having access to that but i do want to talk about you know how you built it right like so how did you find i mean you talk about rich malloy i mean i haven't had a chance to meet your partners but i'm sure they're equally intentional when it comes to this kind of stuff and they're great people smart like you and all that like how did you how did you find them like what was your process for putting the 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 team on the ground together yeah i gotta get so so this is where rick patch is is uh I, I, you know, owe that most of that to him. So, so Rick, when I, whenever I just had this idea in Boulder back in 2016, a mutual friend of Rick and I said, "You got to talk to Rick Patch. He'll tell you you're crazy and talk you out of it." Okay. So, so I go meet Rick, and 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 so Rick is a little bit of background on him. He founded a company, you know, in college at, at CU. Um, he went through that for 12 years as an operator sold it to, uh, I believe that's Sybase back in 92, then was one of the co-founders of SQL Venture Partners in the 90s. This is this predates Foundry. They they raised $410 million over uh, three funds in the, in the 90s wow. and early 2000s. So that was, a, it's still a lot of money, but that was a, that was a whole lot of money for venture back then. Um, and so he, in the, so by the time I'm in, fast forward, I mean, he, he was, he has his personal investments and stuff, but actively like semi-retired. And so I kept going back to him that summer of 2016 with these ideas. And, and finally I was like, Rick, we've got to do this. And, and somehow like convinced him to, to give this a shot, but he was so intentional. He'd done it before. And, and he immediately identified, you know, kind of the, the, the types of skill sets, the type of people we need. Like, you know, he, he felt strongly we needed 
um, uh, someone local that was had a strong operating background, but it was more active than he he was at this stage in his life. So, and that that ended up being in Fund One, you know, Jeff Gardner, um, uh, who's still an operating partner with us. So, so Rick was very very intentional, and I trusted his judgment because you know he'd done it for for thirty thirty five more years than that now. Um, and, and so I, uh, I learned from him and then you're going on to fund two, taking those learnings and still working with Rick on this. I mean, you know, now we've expanded, we have, we have additional operating partners that are domain experts in, in, um, in the areas that we, we almost exclusively invest in. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of how, how, how the team build, because I wouldn't have really known Luke. I mean, I, I probably would have. I knew we needed someone with a track record like Rick, but what I feel so strongly about now is like surrounding myself with amazing people. Right. You know, I'm, I, I always say I'm really bad and mediocre at a whole lot of things. I'm exceptional at one or two. And one of the things I feel like I'm exceptional at is, is bringing the right people together at the right time for the right things. And, and that's how I, I, mean, I wake up every day and the people I work with, I just feel so blessed. Like, I, I mean, I, I can't believe they, they chose to work with me and put up with me sometimes, honestly, but it's all about the team, man. I was like, if, if we don't, if we don't have our own strong team, um, then, then, you know, what, how, who are we to, to, to judge the teams we're investing in, right. And make, make those, those calls. We want to have the best team internally possible. And we, and we still have some work to do on that uh, diverse diversity wise, by the way. So those are some thoughts. Yeah. I hope that helps. Yeah, no, no, super helpful, super helpful. I think. I mean, the the question comes up really in the context of I think how other emerging fund managers, you know, get off the ground, right? Because yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. We we talked about like the you know the the capital problem, right? And like that that is people are looking at that differently and saying, hey, we know you're committed to this, so you know we're gonna punt on you having to you know figure out a way to like you know, create a but you know, one percent of a two hundred and fifty million dollar fund and stick yep. it in there from your own personal net worth. And so I think people are okay with that. But then they expect you to go build a team, you know, um almost immediately to go execute on your in- investment vision. And that oftentimes is, is therein lies like some privilege too, right? The fact that you have access to people like Rich Malloy and other networks from from you know pl- you know places that you've worked that allow you to find the right kinds of people that can take a chance, yep. you know, in some way or other and, and join you. Right. Like, so like, how do, how do we solve that problem, you know, within, within the black community when we're starting from a place of like, you know, essentially, you know, net zero, you know, fund managers that, that already have like all these networks, et cetera, in abundance. Wait, repeat the question one more time. I just want to make sure I answer it correctly. I want to make sure. Yeah. I, I mean, how, how do you think about a range of solutions um, that address, you know, some of the some of the lack of network that you know emerging fund managers might have at the earliest outset? Right? I don't have. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. The first thing that pops to mind, I, I I should think hard on this. However, I will say I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on me for anybody anybody listening, and I, and I can never make any guarantees that, that you know people invest, but I think we we should do more. Like I if I have if I'm introduced to um, a a black emerging fund manager, I'm happy. I, I would love to make introductions to potential LPs for them. I will do that. Um, and again, That's I great. can't. I can't. I can't promise anything. But anybody listen, 
call, you know, reach out via email. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. So that's great. Like that, that's what, I mean, listen, what if everyone does, does, does this, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Good enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I would truly be, be, be thrilled to, to, to help in that, in that regard. Um, and, and, and that's actually, it's, that's not that hard. Now, if you're raising a bigger firm, you know, fund hundreds of millions of dollars from institutions, that's a different story. I, I'm probably not the best. I have a couple of relationships, but you know, most of our LPs are, are high net worth family office, uh, folks. So, um, yeah, no, I'm happy to do yeah. that. So, so that, that's yeah, and, the and first it, thing that comes to mind. I mean, I don't know, you know, in that regard, getting it off the ground, raising money for somebody that has a great idea and has, has no existing network. Um, it's, it's, it's gotta be damn challenging without, unless people, people step up and, and offer to help in some capacity. Well, I, I can certainly answer that question firsthand and tell you it is challenging <laughs> as, a, yeah. as a, as a first time fund manager raising a fund. Um, yeah, lots of, lots yep. of challenges there, but it is coming together and we got, we have already have incredible support for what we're doing, but yeah, no, these, these are, these are important questions. I think, I think they also expose how other people think about the range of solutions that are available and like what they can do. Right. So the things that, I think you address, you know, just to sort of um, illuminate them for my, my listeners, you know, introductions to potential LPs, like, you know, it, it, opening up the top of the funnel. So you're just looking at more things. Um, and then lastly, investing in the content, right? Like really taking the time to understand, you know, where the founders coming from, you know, how they originated the idea, um, because maybe you, you see something that you um, that you didn't see before. So, yeah, I think I think. You've done a great job of illuminating those things for our for our listeners. Um, anything else that you think is important to add as you think about like how to, you know, remove biases in the in the process of both fund formation and also you know allocating? What did I what have I missed? I'm trying to think. What else is there? Because you you've pointed out some things that don't just pop to my mind. Um, because I want to help with solutions. Yeah. Any any other any other thoughts? Are you facing right or have you faced or are you facing right now that that, that you think could be could so, use help on? Yeah. Yeah. So here's a, here's a, here's a, a thought, right? That, and then maybe it's a question too. Yeah. Uh, you know, after you've made an investment in a black founder or in any founder, right? Like what, you know, what are the, the range of possibilities and outcomes, you know, for that founder who's, who's built a great product, technology, service, whatever, you know, how, how do they get connected to the capital markets after you've made the investment, uh, you know, to, to ultimately, you know, create value, right? Like they've created some value. How do they capture that value? Yeah. Right. Like how do you, how do you guide them through that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'll use, I'll use a real example. I mean, I think journey foods, Rihanna, um, there's two things. I mean, we, and we do this, we try to do this for, for all of our founders, but the, the two things that we, we, we try to help with are, um, in, in the past have been either customer, customer introductions and other funds. Right. So, you know, we, I can't remember how many, how many investor introductions, uh, you know, I've made on each deal we've done, but that's, that's a big one. Like I will, I, we, we will, we feel very strongly about this. We come to our own conviction. I don't, we don't care. I mean, we care about the other people in the round because we want good people around the table, but we're not, we're not like FOMO investors. Oh, just because so-and-so invested, we want to invest. And so a lot of the times we're the first to commit to a deal. And, and, um, and, and so what we then do is we go, you know, help bring the round together, even if we're not the lead because our check size is too small, we still do that. Uh, I think almost all of our founders would tell you that we helped in some way there. 
The other thing is is just getting out there on, and this is why we're thematic investors, and we invest in in a, in a few select industries that we have a team to really help. But really, like customer introductions. Um, of course, if they if people need hiring and strategy help, we'll do that too. But um, you know, those those are just a couple of things that that, that come to mind. Yeah, that's that's great, Matt. That's great. So, I mean, so much of this is really, you know, as a as a if. if you know, for all my white listeners listening, you know, VCs that might be hearing this, like they, they can hear in your in the in the timber in your voice, like your passion and commitment to this, but then they can also hear very real practical ways that they can begin to support black entrepreneurs in ways that they might not be today or that they think are too hard. So I really appreciate the time today. You know, I've got a thousand more questions, but I think, you know, we've captured a good amount today. And we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in the future, you know, a year from now, we can refresh this, uh, this, um, this yeah. episode. But um, yeah, this has been great, man. I really appreciate the talk. I'm looking forward to doing stuff with you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Say It In The Room podcast. I'm your host, Luke Cooper. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to support, please share it with others. To catch up with me, please follow me on Twitter at Ready, Set, Grind, or catch me on LinkedIn under Luke Cooper Baltimore. That's all for this week. See you next time.